This is Perspectives. It's the show where an examination of our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley, and today in our studio we have, I called it half of the team, two of, the, two of three authors, minus an author, minus an illustrator, of a children's book that tells a very important story. And at a time of the year when we are spending more time with family, perhaps a time and an opportunity to introduce new subjects, new issues to our children. The book is called Something Happened in Our Town, a child's story about racial injustice. The authors are Dr. Marianne Chilano, who is not here, Dr. Marietta Collins, who loves being in Georgia because everyone knows how to say her name, and another PhD, Dr. Ann Hazard. They are both all, actually all three of them from over at Emory, and they're illustrator, and we're going to find out about Jennifer, oh my gosh, I didn't look how to pronounce her name, uh, Zyvoen, I'm going to think is what it is, and they're shrugging their shoulders, so we will see. Professors, it is a delight to have you in the studio to talk to us. Congratulations on this book. It's been out since May, but as families think about what they can share with their children that's not electronic, this book came to mind. So I was so delighted that you guys were able to come in and to join us in studio. Uh, Marietta, why don't I start with you and just talk to us about uh, the idea for this this children's book and how your team of, of colleagues came together to tell this story. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much for having us. And I would like to make one correction that I'm now on faculty at Morehouse School of Medicine. I retired from Emory, so I'm now over at Morehouse School of Medicine. Uh, in terms of the book, um, the three of us worked together, well, I would say, 20 years or more when I was on faculty at Emory. Um, we worked down um, at Grady, um, Dr. Chilano and I, in the Child and Adolescent Outpatient Clinic, and Dr. Hazard worked in the um, in Children's Healthcare of Atlanta at Hughes Spalding. So we served um, children who had uh, lots of needs, an underserved population, um, very disempowered by our society. Um, so we just decided um, at Dr. Chilano's urging to come together and write a book. And we wanted our book to really be a voice for um, to empowering this population that is often disempowered and to also be able to address um, the numerous shootings that were occurring of black men by uh, black men and women by uh, white police officers with no consequence. So this was really something that was important to us. We wanted to be able to give voice to that, and the three of us started talking, and our book came to materialize. Dr. Hazard, that's pretty heavy material for a children's book, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes, it is heavy material, but we think it's important material, and there's also empowering and hopeful parts of the book. So it's it's not a downer of, of a book, uh, ultimately. No, it is not. I've read it, and as you guys have written it. So share with us the story, the narrative. Okay, uh, um, I'll, I'll share it. Um, the book um, evolves around um, two families. Um, one family is a white family, and, um, they, um, and one is a black family. Both of these kids um, go to the same school and they're in the same class. And they happen to overhear adults talking about this police shooting. So they each go to their individual families and start to ask questions about it. Um, the um, white family's daughter's name is Emma. And so she asks, you know, about police shootings and that um, 
ends up being a conversation within the family about um, not only the police shooting, but also about slavery and privilege. Uh, Emma has lots and lots of questions, and we have this family owning privilege and talking about um, slavery and the injustices that had happened. And um, though they are hopeful that um, justice occurs in terms of the shooting, they can't guarantee it because, again, of the society in which we live. The other character um, is a young black boy whose name is Joshua. And Josh talks to his family also about this same police shooting and is very confused and scared and doesn't understand why this happened and can you trust police officers. Um, His mom says that not all police officers are bad, not all are good. And as a matter of fact, we have friends who are police officers. So they talk about that, and they also talk about um, black black um, progress within our country. They talk about the civil rights movement, how certainly some things continue to be challenging within our society, but there's always been, there's also been some progress. And the, the theme that um, is uh, reflected in both families is acceptance of differences. And you never know who might be your, your best friend. And being open to accepting differences is really um, important. And that goes on um, throughout the story with the kids going back to school and having an opportunity to practice what they learned when a new kid of a different ethnicity comes in and experiences some, some issues related to discrimination from the other classmates. David, I think, is the character's name. I didn't like him at all. <laughs> so, Dr. Hazard, talk to us about the structure. I, I noticed that we start with the with Emma's story, and then we pivot to Josh's story, and then, as 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 you said, uh, we go back to school where the kids are able to to put into practice what they've learned at home. I noticed that in each home, there's an older sibling who has not had an opportunity to ask these questions that Josh and Emma are asking. Yes, we put some teenagers uh, in the story because teenagers are pretty good truth tellers and and pretty outspoken. So the the teens in both families are the most outspoken characters and uh, the ones that are voicing their sense that the police shooting was a mistake that was probably racially motivated. Uh, so they're pretty direct in in uh, putting that out there. Uh, You've decided that this is a book that should be read to children. What age group of kids are we talking about this being a story that they're ready to learn? We uh, think the story works well for children uh, generally four to eight, maybe a little older. Depends on the individual child, and parents can decide when their child's ready to hear it. But we've certainly read it in individual or small group settings with four- and five-year-olds and in larger classroom-type settings with six- to nine- or ten-year-olds. And all of the kids have been engaged and understood the messages uh, just, just fine. What kind of questions did they ask in those reading sessions that you guys did? Well, they ask all different kinds of questions. Um, The younger kids want to know, you know, they don't really understand what happened. Why was the police officer mean? Um, You know, they don't really understand as much the concepts of slavery. So we spend a lot of time trying to um, explain complicated um, subjects to them in child-friendly language. Um, They want to know um, why is it that... um, people, why is it that people who look different are treated differently? Aren't we all the the same, quote, unquote? 
They ask all different kinds of questions. They, it's really easy to um, engage them. And, was, and was, what is also very interesting is depending upon the age of it, even a very young child, as young as age four, gets the message that um, it's important to be fair and to treat everybody equally. I had an interesting reading uh, just last week, actually, with a first-grade class. And the book not only is talking about, you know, historical aspects of of racism and uh, adult issues such as police shootings, but it's also talking with kids about how they can be fair in their daily lives by including other people, not teasing people. Uh, based on aspects of their identity. So uh, one of the examples that's in the book is um, how would you feel if somebody invited all the white kids in a class to a party but not the black kids? So I had a little boy that piped up and said, well, I would be really mad and I just wouldn't invite them to my party. And we had an interesting discussion of how it's certainly very understandable that you'd be mad and that you might have a feeling that you wanted revenge and the kids understood what revenge meant but we talked about how well what happens if you know someone does something bad and you do something for revenge and then they do something for revenge and it just keeps going and going and going and you know they really got it and and decided well maybe we had a good discussion of what's another way to handle that if something unfair happens to you other than revenge. So even first graders can have just very wise discussions. Oh, I would agree 100%. Um, We've had different reactions to the books um, from different parents, and I would say largely um, based on race. Um, Some parents really wonder and question um, what is the right age to begin having these conversations with their children. Um, I've spoken with um, white parents who said, wow, you know, you know, I'm so glad that you guys wrote this book because my wife and I wanted to be able to talk to our children about it, but we didn't know what to say. We didn't know what age. And we've had other, again, white parents to say, well, my kids don't see color. You know, they've never been around, you know, anybody but white people for the most part. And I don't want to introduce these kinds of uh, subjects to my children, which is really different than uh, the majority of black parents who tend to talk fairly openly about race with their children very early on in their lives. So it's a conversation that takes place routinely within the homes of many black parents. What you all have written is a story about uh, values and teaching values in the home, especially when it comes to the issues of our, our differences and our similarities and how that does start with what children see from their parents at a very early age. Yes, I I think um, parents are mistaken uh, and maybe sort of wishful thinking when they think their kids don't see color, because we all see color. Uh, It's one of the first things we're taught. (laughs) And it's just a physically notable trait that kids are going to notice. And, of course, I meant red, green, blue, yellow. Uh, But uh, the primary colors, The primary colors, but colors, we learn to see the differences. So, you know, the issue is what value people attach (laughs) and what meaning people make that's attached to to skin color. And... um, if, in particular, for white parents who may be avoiding the conversation because they think it's not an issue or they're not sure how to bring it up, we're trying to help them understand that 
kids are noticing those difference, that differences. They're noticing disparities. They're exposed to media stereotypes. If you say nothing, you, you convey that race is so scary, it's such a taboo topic, we can't talk, talk about it. Or you are sort of inadvertently condoning the state of affairs. Um, so we, we are, this book is really meant to help all parents talk about this subject and for white parents in particular, help them be more proactive in saying, hey, I'm for treating people fairly. And, you know, that's, that's our family's values. It's very important, I think, for the adults who read this book before they read it to their children that you guys went to great care to place a note at the end of the book, at the end of the story, for parents and for caregivers, asking and answering many of the questions that they may have once they read the book to the children and they're better prepared to answer the questions. What were some of the key issues, Marietta, that you wanted to make sure that you all addressed in that handbook for parents? Oh, well, thank you so much for that question. We're really pleased with the uh, parent note. Uh, we wanted parents to, number one, be able to use, um, to be able to, I guess I'll say, define words that are kind of difficult for children to understand, to have it um, defined for them in child-friendly language. So we have um, lots of lots of terminology in that note that helps parents to be able to learn how to have these conversations with their children. We also wanted to be parents to be able to answer their children when they come forward with questions like, um, John's skin is dirty. Why doesn't he ever take a bath? Or why does um, Dante get in trouble so much? He's always getting in trouble. Or, you know, again, as Ann said, you know, all the white kids were invited to the birthday party, but the black girl wasn't. You know, why is that? So we wanted to um, be able to provide um, I guess I'll say a framework, a format, just about how to have difficult conversations um, with, with your children. We think it's really important that parents read the book, as well as the parents note before they read the, the book itself to their children so they can be prepared to answer their questions and they can really be open, you know, about answering these questions. I've had some parents who take the approach of only reading a couple of pages of the book at a time and dialoguing with their children about it to make sure they're understanding it, whereas others, you know, read the whole book and the family continues to talk about it. Congratulations, because this is a National Parenting Product Award winner. I uh, got a five-star review from, from one of the reviewers. San Francisco Book Review said that this is a difficult subject and this book handles it well saying your language is age-appropriate and gentle, beautiful illustrations, positive message. Children can begin to see a better pattern by including kids who are different than themselves. That had to delight you guys when you, when you read that. Yes, we're really pleased. It's overall gotten uh, very favorable uh, reviews, uh, and that's, that's gratifying. 
It certainly is. Um, you know, you use the word a different pattern, and that certainly uh, comes from our story because, again, trying to um, figure out a way to help children to understand patterns, like racism is a pattern. It's a negative pattern that started in slavery with your great-grandparents. It's a pattern that you want to break. You know, so, again, trying to figure out how to have these conversations um, in a way that is um, easy for kids to understand. And we've been really pleased with the review that we've gotten. Has the response to this story and your book been what you hoped it would, or better? I would say it's, well, what I'll say um, is I was initially very surprised that we got such a huge response. Um, The book was originally slated to be um, released in June, but we released it earlier, should I say the American Psychological Association, Imagination Press, released it early after the unfortunate shooting of Stefan Clark in Sacramento. So um, once the book was released, um, it enabled us to go out to Sacramento and have dialogue with his younger sister, his family, and her classmates um, around the issue of police shootings. So um, we were really surprised and pleasantly so, you know, that we've gotten, I would say, pretty much a positive response about the book, and we've been able to open dialogue, even within specific school systems, um, about the book. Tell us more about going into that home and then into that classroom. That's remarkable. And I'm sure highly emotional. That was a very moving experience. Uh, And we did it with two classrooms. One classroom included Stefan's uh, sister, who I believe is seven or so. So Mm -hmm. that was our, she was with other kids six to eight. That was our target age group. There were a ton of TV cameras there, and the children were so incredibly well-behaved. That was <laughs> that was amazement, number one. But they, they all got the message, were tuned in, um, were able to answer TV reporters' questions about what they learned. Uh, but probably the most moving part was uh, working with uh, a second set of older kids where we really after reading the story, we really brought it home and said, the book is called Something Happened in Our Town. Hey, we know something happened in your town. How many of y'all know about it? Of mm-hmm. course, they all knew about it. And then they all, uh, we opened it up to have them share their reactions and how it was making them feel. Do you want to talk oh, about that sure. one? Oh, for sure. That was um, one young poignant. lady. <laughs> yeah, very poignant um, young lady who talked about the fact that since there had been this shooting, you know, she was very scared and worried about her father. Um, their car had broken, and now the father had to take public transportation. And um, he had a cell phone, and he would use the cell phone to call and let her mom know that he was leaving, he was getting ready to come home. And suppose he's going in his pocket to get the cell phone, and they think it's a gun, and a police officer comes and shoots him. So it was something that, I mean, is on her mind quite often, and we were glad to be able to talk with her about it, that she felt comfortable um, openly discussing this and sharing her concerns. So um, our trip to Sacramento had a huge impact on us and something that neither of us will ever forget. And to that end, the book Something Happened in Our Town, I don't want to describe it as a, a, a universal story because we would never want that to be that. However, when something like this happens in a town, your book can be a great resource and remarkable teaching tool. Yes, we, we were pleased to see that it, it 
opened up the conversation. It didn't re-traumatize the children. I think it re- really helped them to have an outlet to talk about things that they had probably been keeping to themselves. So one of the themes that appears that you do address in the story without giving it the the official name of, of unconscious bias, I think, is one of the ones that we use. Um, how did you know that you were going to be able to introduce that in a way that it would be educational for kids between the ages of four and eight? Well, we don't use those words, no, of course. I know you, yeah, no, no, no. Of course <laughs> but I think you're referring the adults, to, yeah. uh, we gave an example, we give several examples of biased thinking in in, con- in concrete terms that children can understand. So one of the those examples is that um, some people think that black men and boys are dangerous, uh, even though they're not. Um, and that's probably one of the implicit biases that may may contribute, among other things, to the disproportionate police shootings. So, you know, with kids, we're able to discuss these ideas and, and that the fact that it's not fair to make assumptions like that, just like um, when the new new child joins their classmate, they assume just because he doesn't speak English well, he doesn't know how to play soccer well, when that you know, may be a completely false assumption. So kids can understand it when we put it in concrete terms like that. What's been the most surprising reaction or feedback you've received from a child? And then I want to ask what has been the most surprising reaction or feedback you've received for something happened in our town from an adult, a parent? This is a memorable one to me because, again, it was very sophisticated thinking to me. It was a second grader who was wrestling with the fact of what should happen if a police officer makes a mistake and shoots a black man that wasn't dangerous. What should happen? And, I mean, that's a question that our criminal justice system and adults are wrestling with. And she said, well, I I think he should go to jail because the man's still dead. Even though it was a mistake on his part, he killed a man. So, you know, it was, it was very You're interesting. Pretty smart second grader. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I was I was thinking in terms of a reaction about the book in general. I was thinking about um, event, an event um, that um, we were invited to participate in in one of the local libraries here. And we read the book and we um, were engaged in conversation with lots of people in the community. And what was interesting is that the um, Caucasian or white um, families there, or, or the people who were present, were really surprised about the fact that um, black families have to struggle with the issue of race in terms of how to tell their children about interactions with police officers. They were really surprised that um, many black parents have, quote unquote, the conversation um, with their black children very early in their lives. And that whereas white parents, many white parents have the luxury of saying a police officer is a good person. You can go to him or her if you're lost, and him or her is a person that you don't have to be concerned about in terms of harming you. But that's not the case with many black families. Uh, black families typically will tell their children a very different story about police officers, and that was, it seemed to be a very eye-opening thing for the uh, whites who were present in that group. So who do you want to read this book to their kids? Everybody. I would say everybody. (laughs) Oh, for sure. You know, one thing I always say is that this book um, certainly does stimulate conversation in families, and it allows parents to be in charge of what they want their children to know 
about race here in our country, racial injustice in our country, and how they want their children to behave and interact. What is the message in terms of values that they are giving their children? So I think the parents want to do that themselves as opposed to having somebody else outside of the family do that. So I think everybody this book is applicable to everybody, all families, even families who aren't um, black or white. You know, it's certainly applicable to to those families. It's applicable to other isms, as we've said, you know, sexism, ageism. So we think this book has a vast potential. It's a delightful story and something that uh, parents, when they're ready for their kids to have that, you know, to have that conversation, it's a great resource tool, I think, for them all. It's something Happened in Our Town, a child story about racial injustice. The authors are Dr. Marianne Chilano, Dr. Marietta Collins. Thank you for being here, Dr. Collins, and Dr. Ann Hazard. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.